And welcome back to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. This is Bob Brown filling in for Tom Brown. And today we're talking with uh, ADF attorney Matt Sharp about the free exercise of religion, freedom of conscience, and so forth. Matt, thanks again for taking time from your very busy schedule to be with us. Thank you. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about the Reed versus Town of Gilbert case? Absolutely. This is a very interesting and important case that is right now being under consideration by the U.S. Supreme Court. So it actually started back in 2007 with a little church. Uh, Pastor Clyde Reed and his wife uh, moved to Arizona to start some new churches, and they were looking for places to start up, and so they had some temporary locations. They were renting uh, school buildings on the weekends, meeting in the gymnasium and things like that, and wanted to get the word out about their services. Again, it was a small group initially and wanted to let people in the community know about the church, what they were offering. And so the pastor looks around and he sees signs everywhere. We see the political signs of various candidates during election season and signs for businesses and uh, ideological signs and, and signs everywhere. And so Pastor Reed thought, well, that would be a great way to do it. I could put out a sign, direct people to where our church is at, uh, let them know our service times, just some basic information. And so he goes around putting out a handful of signs, just directing people to the location, and finds out that he is in violation of this Gilbert City Code that makes it against the law and subjects him to not only fines but even potential jail time for putting up these signs. So he starts digging into this, and he reaches out to Alliance Defending Freedom and come to find out that the town's code has a very differential treatment of signs. If you're a political sign, you can be up for months and months of months, uh, day and night, have as many signs up as you want to, same thing if you're an ideological sign or various other types of signs. But if you're a church sign, if you're inviting people to a church service, you could basically be up 12 hours before the service. So if you have a 9 a.m. service, you have to put it up 9 p.m. when it's dark and no one's going to see your sign. So what this case is about fundamentally is can the government come along and target certain speech in the form of signs and say, we like your signs, we want you to flourish and be everywhere, but you, you religious sign, we don't want you up, and you're limited to this very limited amount of time that you can be up. So your argument is, in effect, that they literally have singled out churches. Uh, would those same rules apply to a synagogue or a Hindu temple, for example? Absolutely. They really were targeting all religious organizations for this discriminatory treatment. And the courts have said consistently you can't do that, that you have to treat other speakers the same as you do churches, that everyone has to receive the same treatment. And so if you're allowing the political signs to be up for three months, you give the same treatment to the churches or religious organization, synagogue, whatever. Uh, and so what the town did in response to all of this is rather than fix it and just treat everyone the same, makes common sense, they decided to lump in all sorts of other non-commercial signs together. And, and so they created this bigger group of they called it qualifying event signs. But basically, anytime a, a non-commercial, non-profit group is putting on an event, they're subject to these same restrictions. So basically what the town did is say, well, we're still not going to treat you the same as everybody else. We're just going to treat other people a little more unfairly as well and lump them into the same category as you, while still giving this favorable treatment to political signs and ideological signs and so on and so forth. So they've only made things worse and, and increased the discrimination 
and what they've done with the sign code. And so, again, it, it's a fundamental thing of the government has no business picking and choosing winners and losers in speech and deciding that some speech can be up for longer and signs can be bigger and more uh, in number and others are limited to a couple of hours and very small signs in very unfavorable locations. It sounds pretty one-sided, but Matt, uh, to play devil's advocate, uh, if the Supreme Court were to rule against uh, Pastor Reed, what would the basis for that type of ruling be? You know, I, I think the risk is, is what the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, when we were doing this case, held, that it's okay to discriminate, it's okay for the government to discriminate, as long as they don't have a bad motive for doing it. And that's what the court held that the town had here, is that they weren't picking on the church because it was religious, but rather they had a, a legitimate interest in, in certain signs, and, and they were just trying to handle all of the, the numerous signs out there and come up with some reasonable restrictions. And so they weren't doing it because they didn't like you. They just made some arbitrary determinations about which signs win and which signs lose. And there's a risk the court may go that way, uh, that they may say that the government can discriminate as long as they're not doing it because they dislike you. The problem with that is the government always has the ability to manufacture a reason. If they didn't like the church, they're now giving instructions of saying, well, just come up with a good reason for discriminating against the church. Come up with a good reason for treating their sign differently, and then we'll give you a free pass. And that's the danger of what the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled, is that it gives government a roadmap for how they can get away with discrimination by coming up with a legitimate-sounding reason for it. What we're hoping the court will, the U.S. Supreme Court will do, is brush that aside and say, no, there's never a good reason for discrimination if you're treating people differently. If you're treating religious groups differently from political groups, making religious signs more unfavorable compared to religious signs, then that's discrimination, and we don't care what your reason is. Hmm. Was there a split among the federal circuit courts on, on this issue? Absolutely there was. Several courts had come out on the same side as the Ninth Circuit, that as long as there wasn't a bad motive for your decision, that that's fine and we're going to side with the government. Uh, several other circuits came to the opposite conclusion, and they said, no, any time you are discriminating between signs based upon their content, based upon what they say, what the message of the sign is, that that's discrimination and it's unconstitutional. And so it's really the reason why the Supreme Court took this case. You know, we all look at this case and we say, man, this, this is really a, a small case. You know, you're dealing with a, a suburb of Phoenix and a little church and a town code. What, what business does the Supreme Court have of taking a case like this? But it really is an important principle of the authority and power of the government to pick and choose winners and losers when it comes to speech. And I think that's why the Supreme Court looked at this case and said, this is really an important issue because – if the government has the authority to pick and choose winners and losers on signs, what's next? Could it be that the government can do the same thing when renting its facilities? And so now they could come and say to the church, well, we've got a better use for this facility, so we're going to kick you out of being able to meet here anymore. So now the church has lost its location. And we can just think of situation after situation where if the government has the authority to decide who gets to speak and who doesn't, as long as they can come up with a legitimate reason, then a lot of important speech is going to be kicked to the curb. Hmm. Uh, by the way, you're listening to Quinn and Neon Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Bob Brown filling in for Tom Brown today. And um, we're talking with Matt Sharp from the Alliance Defending Freedom about the Reed versus Town of Gilbert case. 
Uh, Matt, would you explain to our listeners uh, the significance of the phrase a split in the circuits and maybe tell us a little bit about how the case got from the town of Gilbert to the Supreme Court? Absolutely. The Supreme Court is actually very selective in the number of cases they take. Uh, I think it's somewhere around 1% of the people that ask for the Supreme Court to hear their case actually get it before the court. The court gets to decide which cases it wants to hear and which it doesn't. And so there's many, many cases that seem good, that seem like important issues, and the Supreme Court decides not to take them. One of the important things that the court looks for is if there's a split among the courts. Uh, Is there one half of the country where the courts are saying the law is this, for example, here that government can discriminate as long as it's got a pure motive, and another half of the country, another half of the courts say the opposite. What the Supreme Court looks for is, is this a situation where there's confusion about the law, where we can come in and give clear guidance and direction so that every court in the country, no matter where you are, whether you're in Arizona or Massachusetts or California or Nebraska, you're going to get treated the same under the law. And so one of the reasons why I think the court took the case is because there was this split. Uh, Depending where you lived in the country would depend whether or not this exact case would have been a winner for the church or a loser for the church. So the court found this to be an important issue and and made it one of those 1% of cases it hears so that it can provide better guidance on this. So this case, again, started very small in in the federal court in Arizona. Uh, It went up to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals once. They send it back down, it goes up again, and we lost. And we petitioned the Supreme Court, pointing out this circuit split, that there was this confusion among the lower courts about whether or not the government can discriminate as long as they've got a good motive, and the Supreme Court took it. We always think that's a good sign from a legal perspective. Um, If the court thought that everything was fine, that our case doesn't have merit, um, then there's a good chance they would have passed on it and, and we would have lost. Uh, but the, the percentages show when a court takes a case, um, more often than not, they're going to reverse what the lower court did. They're going to reverse what the Ninth Circuit did here. So we're, we're cautiously optimistic that it's a good sign from the court that they thought a real injustice was done here to the church and, and that they see the need to clarify guidance and make sure that situations like what happened to the church don't happen again in other places around the country. So did the Reeds then have to go before a jury trial at some level? They did not. Uh, this never made it to a jury trial. We went out on what's called summary judgment, but, but it's basically where both sides uh, present their arguments to the judge, and the judge issues a ruling. Uh, the judge has determined that there's really no factual disputes, which is what a jury's supposed to decide, uh, you know, whose testimony is more credible. But that really wasn't an issue here. The town admits that they've got this code, and they admit that they denied the church from being able to have their signs up the same as everybody else. And the town thinks that they can do that. We think they can't, and so it's really a a clean issue for a judge to decide. Uh, And so we didn't have a jury trial. The judge ruled on it. Uh, The judge ruled against us, unfortunately. We appealed to the Ninth Circuit, and the Ninth Circuit again ruled against us. So there was a a very powerful dissent. Uh, One of the judges at the Ninth Circuit believed the case should have gone in our favor. And that was really important, I think, as well, to show the Supreme Court that even within the Ninth Circuit there was disagreement about what the law should be. And so that's how we ultimately made our way to the Supreme Court. Uh, we lost and we lost, but ultimately, um, you know, we have, we have a, a cautiously optimistic, again, feeling that the Supreme Court's going to reverse and provide some really important protections for religious speakers across the country. 
So that first case would have been uh, in the federal district court here in Arizona, is that correct? That's the, correct. And so when that judge ruled against the uh, Pastor Reed, then there's a uh, what we would call an appellate court, and I guess that's one that does not have a jury. That's correct. It is, it's uh, three members of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Um, I think there's somewhere around 18 to 20 judges total. Uh, and, and so it's assigned to, and, and basically um, they're looking at what the lower court decided. Uh, we make our arguments there. We get to go and sort of present our arguments in written form in a brief, and then our attorneys went and argued before them, laid out our case before them. And so this has really been every step along the way has been judges deciding from a single judge in Arizona to three judges in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals to now the nine members of the U.S. Supreme Court sitting in Washington, D.C. Very good. Well, we'll be back in just a minute. You're listening to Quinn and Neon, Faith Talk, 1360 KPXQ. I'm Bob Brown filling in for Tom Brown today. We'll be back in just a few minutes. 